Handbound Podcast, episode number 49. My name is Philip Wells, and it is my privilege to be your host for this episode. We begin today with the Canaan-bound devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. God's rescue is always enough. Genesis 19, 17-22 As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. But flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. We saw in the last section how God was so merciful to Lot. He had the two angels grab him by his hand and his wife and daughters by the hand and lead them out of the city before it was destroyed. But they were not to think that they could escape with such ease of mind. They are now told to flee for their lives, not look back, not stop, or they would be swept away. Lot doesn't think he can make it. He says he can't flee to the mountains. Was this because Lot didn't want to flee away from civilizations altogether? Was a flight to the mountains too empty and lonely? Or was it a matter of distance? Was he afraid he just wouldn't be able to make it far enough in time to escape the destruction of the plains around the wicked cities? There's also a hint of selfishness in his bargaining. I can't make it. I will die. Was he thinking at all about his wife and daughters? It doesn't matter what the reason behind his fears really were. The very fact that he still feared for his life was absurd, wasn't it? God, after all, had sent the angels to rescue them. God had his angels lead Lot and his wife and daughters by hand out of the city. They were rescued. His faith has a little inconsistency here, doesn't it? He believed a real disaster was going to come upon the city, but at the same time, he didn't believe God was really going to rescue him from that disaster. He thanks the angels for saving his life, and in the very same breath, he's worried that he's going to die. How inconsistent of us when we consider that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and the curse of sin and hell, but then also consider the possibility that he won't lead us safely until the end. God always does enough when saving. He provided a rescue plan for Lot, and it was enough to save Lot, just as he promised Abraham he would. He provided a rescue for you and me, a rescue that certainly was and is enough. His plan involved sending his Son to rescue us by the cross. He took the curse of our sins. He pulled us from the fires of hell. Won't he continue to watch over us, lovingly and care for us? Will he lead us out of the city, but not be with us on the plain? Lot was permitted a shorter route to a smaller village. Zoar, which means insignificance. It was all the further he would have to flee. He would be safe there, 
God always does enough when saving. He even deals patiently with our faith's wavering and our inconsistencies and weaknesses. It is never God's fault if his rescue doesn't leave us in safety. It is always our fault if his rescue doesn't end in our perfect safety. God has a plan of rescue. He has brought you out of the depths of hell. He'll lead you on today and always to his glorious kingdom and his promised land of rest. And now we join Pastor Tim Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 15, verses 14 to 16. We're listening to Job's friend, Eliphaz the Temanite. What is man that he could be pure? Or one born of woman that he could be righteous? If God places no trust in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in his eyes, how much less man who is vile and corrupt, who drinks up evil like water? Eliphaz compares the plight of men with that of the angels. The fall of the evil angels took place sometime not long after the creation, but before the fall of Adam and Eve. The Bible makes it clear that these evil angels, led by Satan, we call them demons, by the way, brought their punishment on themselves. In uh, Jude 6, we have the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. The references here to the heavens by Eliphaz might be a sacrilegious slur against God's heaven, but it could also be a reference to the way that the ancients had of speaking about the sky. There was the first heaven, which was the sky. Then there was what we would call outer space, the second heaven, the thing above the sky. And then the Apostle Paul used this concept when he talked about the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, the place where God is. If so, this could be a reference to the corruption that fell on all of God's creation when Adam and Eve fell into sin. Remember that when our first parents fell into sin, the whole universe was corrupted and fell under the curse. God told Adam, cursed is the ground, the earth, because of you in Genesis 3.17. We're still under that curse. Yet we need to know to keep rather one thing in mind about every other detail when we contemplate the fall of mankind and the corruption of the universe. God himself entered into the world to take away the burden of that curse. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. The curse is lifted from us, and we have the promise and the certainty of eternal life. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now we have God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen from Branches Band and their album, A Branch Is Growing.
And now it's time for Moments with the Master with Pastor Aaron Nitz. Greetings. A child wakes up in the middle of the night afraid and begins to cry. The only answer that will calm and quiet his fear is his mother's steady voice. I am here. The close presence, the near sound, the certain voice of the one who loves him dearly. That's the only cure for fear. Well, what about you? Are you afraid of the dark? We live fear-filled lives in a fear-filled world, don't we? It seems that as we learn more about the world around us, it leads us to live more full of fear. We readily hear about unrest in places like Egypt or Syria. There's the threat of nuclear weapons in the hands of terrorists. Moral values that were once held with high regard are now thrown into the wind by most. There's the faltering and unstable economy. There's all kinds of things that can fill us with fear. But perhaps what fills us with fear the most is the darkness that lives right inside each of us. Although we may try to hide it, each one of us knows that there are dark sins lying deep inside of us that we never want to see the light of day. The darkness of our sin shows itself when we do things or say things we later regret. Each of us knows there's a black darkness inside of us, a darkness that our God hates. And that's scary. But then the voice of God reaches out to us in the dark. It reaches into our human darkness in our human world. Jesus, the Son of God, came to live in our darkness. Then on the darkest day of human history, he yelled out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He tasted our human terror to the full, that we might be forever freed from fear. By his death in our darkness, he has become the light of life that shines in our darkness and is the light that no darkness will overcome. Afraid of the dark? In his word we have the close presence, the near sound, the voice of the one who loves us dearly, the voice of God himself, the God who loves us with an everlasting love and tells us, Do not be afraid. Your sins are forgiven. I am here. Joshua 1 verse 9. Do not be afraid, terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord bless you on your day. Goodbye. And now it's time for Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 3, 19-22 The world a prisoner of sin, but then Christ. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the lawfare therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. 
1984. I have been sitting on these verses for a few days, having trouble with because of transgressions. So I decided to look at this section globally. That means I looked at the big picture. And here it is. All people and every false religion have law. Of course they do. The whole human race is born with a conscience and with law in our hearts. And yet sin happens. It happens often and it happens everywhere. It even happens in those who on the outside look like the most noble of souls, the Gandhis and the Mother Teresas of this world. Do you doubt this? Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the law of Moses runs into a roadblock, the roadblock of our human depraved hearts, if it is viewed as an avenue of salvation. In fact, as Paul writes in Romans 7, Sin sees the law as an opportunity, and faced with it, sinners sin more, not less. Isn't this what the Hollywood types are really doing when they think outside the box, challenge conventions, stretch the envelope? And they are not unique, just a rather visible example of how the human heart views law. Rules were made to be broken, weren't they? It is about this that Paul writes, but the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. We can deny it, but it remains true. We poor Americans, so obsessive about freedom, often, way too often, use our freedom as a license to sin. And in the end, the rock song, Welcome to the Hotel California, gets it right. We are all just prisoners here of our own device. A similar lament can be heard in the haunting lament of total eclipse of the heart. Sinners may not know how to get out of sin, but many have found that the prison is real and dark and deadly, even when, as in these songs, it begins with alluring temptations. We are prisoners of sin. The world, including the followers of the world's great religions, uh, is a prisoner of sin. Until Christ... But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. There is only one release from the prison of our own desires. Jesus is freedom and release. Jesus has purchased and won us, paid for our freedom with blood, removed the curse of the law by suffering what this curse demands, destruction and hell. What then was the purpose of the law? It leads to the cry of despair, which is answered in the gospel by the Lord of hope. It is good for the sinner to wallow in the despair that sin brings, but only if that despair is answered by Christ. That answer is what God has given to each believer. If you have that answer, hope in a dark world of people who are prisoners of sins, you have a precious gift to share. God will surely put prisoners in your path. Don't downplay sin. Rather, share the release from jail. Jesus hold the key, holds the keys. So do you, dear fellow Christian. We end today with O Come All Ye Faithful by Koine.
You have been listening to episode 49 of the Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in December of 2013. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 